Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to This Is Your Laugh, the podcast that interviews well-known female stand-ups and comedy actors about what comedy has taught them about life. This podcast is brought to you by ITV Comedy 5050 and we're your hosts, Roxy and Alice. Our guest today is actress Dune McKeekin. Her TV credits are genuinely too innumerable to list in entirety, but to quickly whiz off a few, she's played Jane Plough in Toast of London, Flavia or Flavia in Plebs, Kathy in Two Doors Down, Archangel Michael in Good Omens, Sarah in Pure, and of course, probably most famously, she wrote and starred in Channel 4's cult comedy series Smack the Pony alongside Sally Phillips and Fiona Allen. Her radio credits are as long as the Great Wall of China, in which she's... A- I love that line, Roxy. Yes, wanted me to cut it, but I insisted. In which she's acted, narrated and presented, and she's also appeared in films too. Shout out to The Borrowers. <laughs> oh my God, yes, Such yeah. a great film. She's that. recently been seen treading the boards in David Mamet's Bitter a wheat at the Garrick Theatre, also starring John Malkovich, and before that was in Twelfth Night at the National Theatre. She's graced the stages of the Royal Court, the Almeida, and basically all the other theatres you've ever heard of in the UK. Dune McKeekin, welcome to the show. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Marvellous. I like my little, ta- my little tag here. It says Dune McCain. Oh, D-U-N-E. They, this is McCain like the oven chips. They, so uh, this is going on my fridge because I have so many brilliant mispronunciations of my name. Don Mackie Chan is the That's who I am at the doctor's. Like Jackie Chan, I'm Don Mackie Chan. What's your medical record? Say Don Mackie Chan. Don Mackie Chan. This is great though because if you want to go like, you know, incognito or whatever. Yeah, 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 off grid. Wife of Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's it. This oh, is really good. It. I'm June McCain. Welcome, June, June McCain. <laughs> they do June have McCain. a habit of doing that. Alice, we must have recorded, what, 10 episodes by now. And today is the first day that Alice's name has been spelt correctly. The first yeah, day. Yeah. I've had all sorts of things. I won't go into them, but like, some of them are barely recognisable. Don Mackie Chan. I <laughs> Don <laughs> Mackie Chan so good. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Um, um, so look, we should say, we, we've only just found this out. This is Dune's very first ever podcast. And also, Dune doesn't necessarily know what a podcast is. I don't know <laughs> what a podcast so well, is. I've never heard one. Mm. Um, and I, I did just... So when does it go out? Um, well, that is to be determined, but possibly in the next few weeks. And where, which frequency on the FM dial can I find it? <laughs> Is it pirate? <laughs> so it's on the Wind Up Radio. Okay. Um, and it's, on, um, it's, it's not in that SoundCloud that I can never find anything oh, in. God, is no. It? Um, it is on, well, uh, Apple a podcast app thing. See, I don't have a computer. Right. Oh, my you God, really? No. 
Oh, how do wow. you write? So I have a foot. I write longhand. You do? That's why these nails I have to be taken off because I can't hold my pen. Oh my god! So Patience we of a saint. Dawn, we had Dawn French on this podcast, and she's exactly the same longhand. And yes. we just said, God, if there's a fire, you lock up your um, you know, make sure you've got it in a safe. Yeah, like flambard like, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Do you keep yours somewhere very, very safe? What, my what? Your 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 work as well. I've got so work. many books, ridiculous, you know, different journals and books and leather-bound things that I never write in because they're too pretty yes and uh, <laughs> full of gorgeous waxy paper and then yeah there's a lot of I've left them at um, where I'm writing today in the library I've got my daughter's old um sort of a4 I don't like writing online so I like having blank paper because then I can do pictures and so oh, it's a bit more like a mind oh, wow. map if you have a the best thing is is um those big pieces of lining paper where you can draw pictures and then you can sort of like well if you're writing a, a screenplay or something you can write characters and but if as I'm trying to do now writing a femoir feminist <gasps> memoir Ooh. that's really hard because you go oh I don't want it to be linear I'm not gonna go and then I went to the RSC yeah. and then I and then I went to the Nash um uh I'm not quite sure whether I can do it, so I'm I'm practicing. Oh, the lights just went off. Oh, suddenly disco lights. Well done for explaining, Alice, because we just went, ooh. Hey, maybe it's because it's Halloween. Yeah. I think we maybe leave it like this. Move good. It's not, listeners, it's not pitch black. No. Very good. But it's very good mood lighting. Look at you getting the hang of doing podcasts, explaining the visuals. I was going to make some jokes about being inappropriately touched in the dark, but now... Let's not do girls no, touching each other Let's not do it. Because then the, the podcast will go... In a very different direction. Exactly. ...some sort of underground dark web. <laughs> yeah. No, June, I want to say, I think it's so brave, though, to come on a podcast not knowing what podcast is. So yeah. I find that admirable. Well, um, well done, and thank you. Well, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. saying, you know. It's just a chat, isn't it? It's just yeah, a it's chat. Just a That's chat. There's no expectation. Yeah. It's somehow the new thing, though, isn't it? Because everyone goes... Oh, have you heard so and so's podcast? Have you not heard this podcast? And I'm podcast, podcast. Mm. Well, is it is it sort of like what is it? it it's is just, it just a, a way chat. Of, like, so it's like a radio a show. Chat. You're making yeah. your own yeah. radio show. Essentially, Dune. Let's be really honest about it. It's it's a way of supplementing your career. <laughs> you <know>? Is it? <laughs> It's like I'm a I'm a writer, but I'll also have a podcast. And I'm a broadcaster. I, and a podcast. Am yeah. I a podcaster? <laughs> I would probably say you're a podcast guest, and if you have your own podcast, you're a podcaster. I'm a podcast. I'm a, mm. I'm a female podcaster. Mm. Exactly. I mean, some people are amazing and do it as their full time thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I think most people have it as a sideline Side to another biz. job. You can't get on the radio. Hey. hey. Is that what it's all <laughs> about? Hey failed now. radio DJs here. Yeah. <laughs> we could just go on Loose Women, but we don't want to. No. So we're going to do a podcast. We're going to do a podcast. Okay, that, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you, girls. I'm with you. I, but So obviously, I mean, we will obviously talk about your work, but I feel like just from the few little things that I've picked up on now, so you don't have a computer, you don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. Are you very... Um, I feel like you'd be very mentally healthy. Like, do you live a very un-technology life, essentially? Mm. I don't have... I'm not on social media. Which I think is very important. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I encourage all my friends to come off it. And when they do, I take it as a personal victory. <laughs> I do have that's a small true. phone that I can do emails on. So that's not that new, but it's newish. Um, uh, so I can send emails because my agent gets very cross when he has to send paper. So everyone has to send me letters. I love getting letters. Oh, yes, I love getting nice. cards. I like getting scripts. I'm a bit old fashioned, so I'm I'm slightly standing with the flag on the you know, the diminishing Arctic of uh, of the old days. I love that. And going oh, well, I this is how I want to be because I think it's healthier. I don't 
I want that. But I want that too. Okay, I'm going to make you come off your social media. How then. do you enforce it? I feel like our agents will just be like, "We well, no, we're not sending you a script. We don't have that power. Also, Roxy, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. How often do we You're get right, I, I just need the sides for the anyway. part I don't get. You're right, I don't need the actual script. But they can send you the sides. You yeah, know, exactly. That's annoying yeah. when they send you the sides and I'm trying to read it on my and tiny on phone. phone and I'm like, yeah. oh, can they send it? So often I turn up at auditions and I have got no idea what I'm going in for and that, that can either make people very cross or quite refreshed. Well, I was going to say, it's, you've been very successful with that approach, so perhaps yes. we should all adopt it. Yes, that could be a way of, yes. I remember going to a spa once uh, and uh, seeing this very, very expensive black truffle cream quite high up, spotlit high up. Oh. And of course, then there was the, all the other creams that were like, you know, daily scrub and sort of breakfast smoothie. And I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I want the black truffle cream that was £85. <gasps> now, what is it that makes us want the spotlit is it just the packaging is it so from then on I put my fees up I kind of doubled my fees so you'd have the cream yeah so I'm the black truffle cream so I could have the cream and so I could get paid more and how's the cream been well, cream I still haven't quite managed to afford to buy it oh what? no I steal it from, uh, from when I can climb up on a stepladder and get it but um the point being as women we often don't ask for enough Mm. And um, and be ready to walk away. That's quite hard. I, maybe I have reached a point where I can say, do you know what? I'm not going to do that. People are like, what? You go, well, you might have to double that. Well, I have lost jobs, but also my life with my family is important. My time, I work to buy time. Yeah. Mm. Away from, so that in a way that can be, women are very afraid of asking for more because they think it's greedy and yeah. unacceptable. So I would say go for the black truffle cream. I Fully, fully advocate that. How many times that you are there, you lost the job more than the times that they've said, yeah, fine, we'll just double your pay and you can have it? I had a particularly you. horrific audition and I came out of the American church setting off all the fire alarms with my both my middle fingers in the air. <gasps> wow. Um, it was so horrible. I was. I felt so... The, the poor girl who was filming me was bright red. The director, who will remain nameless... Um, just kept making me sort of do it again and again. A, I hate being filmed and I hate reading anywhere. Just like, I'll meet you for a cup of tea and let's talk about it. Yeah. And obviously if it's a really difficult, interesting part, then yes, let's read and work together. But it's the power thing that I hate. So I then said to my agent, I'm not going to audition for comedy anymore. Um, and the next day, plebs came in. And so I went to, and he said, are you sure? And I went, yeah, I'm not, I'll meet him. Mm. So I met Sam. And the casting director, and then Sam said, um, so can we read? And, and the casting director went, oh, no, she's, she doesn't. You know, so grand. Yeah. She doesn't read. And he, <laughs> and he just looked like, like it was a joke. And he went, yeah, but you're here now, so should we read? And I went, no, I don't want to read. And I thought, well, I, I, I left, and I thought, well, I haven't got that. Yeah. And I got it, but I don't think it set off our relationship particularly well because I think there was a power imbalance to start with ah. because I'd gone, I'm not going to read, but I've got the part. I so, say actually power imbalance the other way in your favour. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so that set off a slightly sort of rather tricky relationship because people want to come together equally and go, look, creatively we want to create the best thing together. I don't like the power game here. The best director I've ever worked for, Ben Wheatley, he just had, we just had a cup of tea for literally 15 minutes. I had to go and get a train. We talked about everything but not really the film. Wow. Yeah. And then um, I went, oh, God, I've got to go. What shall I... And we, we talked about everything, politics, you know, children, golf courses, crazy things. And I, 
I said, what, what, what should we do? And he went, well, you just say yes. And I went, yes. And it was just oh, wow. so wonderful. And now that doesn't happen very much. Well, the thing is, you've proved your mettle, haven't you? Like time and time over with such different diverse characters. It's like, yeah, I pretty much I've got them in my roster of skills. I you know, know you but can... people still want you to read. I still think, like, I think um, actresses of 80 still have to read. Yeah. Who are well known. Yeah. Um, Why think, is that? I don't do you think? know. I think I don't know. It's a strange thing. I I, w- I would read with somebody for drama. I've done less straight drama mm. and film. It feels more like yes. Let's see if this is the sort of character you want. Let's see if we can. Basically, they want to see if they can direct you. If you can take direction, you're not too spiky. You're amenable, and you're mm. fl- and you're a good. You're you're no. I, I don't want. To, I want her to be more vulnerable. I want her to be bigger. I want her to be smaller. So that's fine. Let's see if we can work. But yeah, if it's just if it's a comedy show, you can look up. There's about a thousand yeah. sketches of me. Um, maybe you could just see that. Yeah, yeah. What about theatre? Would you do it for? Would you audition and read for theatre? Yes, yes. Yeah. Pretty much every theatre I yeah. have. I've been offered theatre straight off, and that's great. But say with the Mamet play. Mm. Uh, someone was reading him for John Malkovich. Obviously, he obviously. wasn't there. And David Mamet was just very kind of rah, big character. And I had a temperature of like 102, and I was I was almost crying in the cafe opposite. And I phoned my agent. She just sent me a sort of strong arm. Oh, yeah. Strong arm emoji. Like, don't tell them you're sick. <laughs> you know, just get in there and do it. And yeah. um, and he said that my CV. He said it says here on your CV that you're a ventriloquist. <laughs> I was like, obviously, my agent is just sending out random <laughs> jobs that I've never done and skills that I don't have. Hence the sound. Hence the. We, yeah. uh, we weren't recording. Can you do your drip for the listeners? Oh, I mean, how good is that, how guys? That wasn't that? a sound effect. I'll teach you how to do that. Yeah. You see, if you come off um, social media, you, you too will be able to make a drip noise because you'll spend hours that you would be just texting, perfecting the drip. Yeah. I'm worried I've become too, get too weird. More like, you know, um, the things you start noticing when you come off social media, like, oh, there's a plug socket there I never saw before. <laughs> 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 well, I think you should become that person. I don't I know. That. I think I become like really introspective and navel gazing and just like I don't no, know. No, I think probably the opposite because you I think, think I think as be you looking out. as you type your virtual self and send it out into the world, it's a very weird self that you're sending <laughs> yeah. out. So actually, the authentic self is somebody yeah. who's maybe um, having a walk by herself. Um, you know, l- looking at a little bird in the tree, and oh, I don't or know, a plug being, socket, yeah. or a plug socket. Yeah. Um, Did you guys listen all? to that thing this morning on the radio about um, how narcissists are actually happier? Even if you mm. do become navel gazing, I mean, at least you'll be happier. Everybody else, <laughs> fuck you, everyone else. Yes. I'm happy. happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I love that you don't feel the pressure. Like, so I had a conversation. I was at a wedding last night, of all things, on a Monday. Oh. Um, clearly, an actor's cool wedding. <laughs> and uh, and I was speaking to this girl, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm." Um, started you know developing my Instagram account because I want to be taken seriously as an actor and part of me like my heart sank a bit because I was like is that really a prerequisite to show your worth like how many people follow you a you can buy followers and b I don't think how engaging your posts are are very indicative of how talented you are (laughs) I I think maybe it's a new it's a bit newer thing that that insta followers are are something that sometimes people ask um, before, in an audition, don't they? Yeah, I, I think, think so. At least they go do the background been check asked on you. To you, like how many followers? I mean, we, I don't have that many. No, auditions, I would be but... hindering myself <laughs> of anything. I reckon I would do better to be off it. In fact, because I think you either need enough for them to be like, oh, it should be worth casting, mm, or yes. it's better if it's like, oh, she doesn't have social media. Also, like, so there we go. Once again, I probably should get off it. Yeah. It's funny as well when you realise you go to develop these things and put like a funny thing out there, and then for me, I personally spend like an hour going, oh god, I misrepresented myself, and then yes. actually, like, I don't really want to 
share that much about myself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a waste of creative time. It literally, you might as well just, I mean, I I just find it so depressing. (laughs) Because we women as, you know, are silent anyway and have been through the generations. Mm. It's now up to us to actually be the mouthpiece. So we need to think about what form we do that in. It isn't taking pictures of ourselves and it isn't sending out our perfect lives. It's sort of being able to be vulnerable together and being empowering to to young women who are suffering from anxiety. The anxiety spike um, through through how people look, women taking knives to their faces. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely appalling. Yeah, what's happened through social media now? Obviously, it's very good politically for certain things, but I also think it does. You know, if some if you want to go on a march, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. You no, know, I'm not. I do hear about the marches I want to go on. Mm. I don't just press the. You know sign this petition button I'd much rather get my spray painter go down and graffiti something yeah because that's what we did in the 80s it's a bit like let's go back to something a bit more grassroots and a bit more um angry yeah and and and, you know my daughter and I um want to go down with our spray cans to the what I feel is a horrible is all the dental aesthetic facial aesthetic places yeah. that are suddenly grown up like, like spores yeah. throughout the city everywhere and in all the new builds instead of having a laundrette and a fishmonger they've got Botox then dental then smile clinic yeah. then body clinic and it's all pictures of cellulite next to pictures of pictures of lips so this is bad. This yeah. is really bad. So mm. we, we want to go and do ticks and crosses. And So what, what have you ever been um, sort of reprimanded for that by the police? Or I've been caught on camera a couple of times, right. but um, they've not taken it further. Right. Was this okay. when you first, because I read that you um, joined a group called Violence Against Women? Women Against Violence. Women Against Violence. Wavel. Terrible against name. Women. W- w- wavel. Definitely the wrong way around. Yeah. Uh, wavel. And that was when you came out of Manchester Uni. Yeah. And you went, was it Westminster Bridge that you went and graffitied? Yes, yeah. yes. We used to do the big posters at, Vauxhall, you know, that were like car posters with a, with a naked woman on right, it. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and draw a man sort of fucking those exhaust pipe. And, you know, that's... <laughs> oh, God, amazing. Um, because, and also we would always complain to the Advertising Standards Authority about adverts that we found upsetting. Mm. Or, or, you know, it really is bad for young boys to be looking at, at certain adverts yeah. and to be on the tube by yourself with a huge... And we, we made amazing strides in that all the sort of sexist advertising on the tubes were sort of taken off and then it's all crept back in so if you're on a tube station that you know assaults on on british rail and on public transport has gone yeah, up have gone up yeah you know, hugely because you're on your own and the advertising is there and it's often women with virtually nothing on what what decade did it get good at better in at least before it went worse it got again? in it, it got really good so i joined in 85 and then i would say from 85 to 90 we were, were constantly sending letters to the ASA and they always thought I was a man with my name Dune oh, right, yeah. dear Mr McKinnon well. we're sorry that you feel upset we've we've you know we feel that this is actually appropriate and we anyway um it was much more the age of letters guardians woman's page you know that yeah, kind of yeah. uh, call up radio 4 and then it and then I would say it slowly sort of crept back in with the ladette you know the sort of lad mag uh, loaded that the beginning of that it was like men reclaiming their right to have pictures of women right yeah. so what's like the 90s or something yeah more yeah. like the 90s and then you know then we managed to get rid of page three so the no more page three campaign took a good like three to five years um and now you have got page three but you've got you know you've got women yeah, yeah. but not always yeah because it, they, they sneak them back in yeah i mean this actually segues really nicely mm. onto the stuff that we wanted to talk about well, obviously firstly just to say to reiterate that this podcast is 
um, in partnership with Comedy 5050, which addresses the gender imbalance in comedy. Um, so that's very much the sort of behind-the-scenes yes. stuff in terms of really kind of the writing and the development of things, trying to find parity across the board. Mm. But you obviously... Um, well, you had Body Count Rising, which was a BBC radio programme, which, guys, you can still listen to on BBC Sounds, even though it came out a couple of years ago. That's brilliant. Yeah. See, that's when I like technology. Oh, yes. that's so good. It's <laughs> yeah. a great programme where you yeah. talk about, essentially, violence against women... Um, on screen and this um, and sort of examining the trend in our TV culture of rape and ritualistic murder of women Mm. Um, and the audiences really seem to kind of lap it up. Mm. I mean, do you think that's changed since? Because I think it was 2016 that you did that. Do you think that the culture shifted at all since then? Someone sent me a rather depressing thing about Netflix and looked at at a sort of percentage of what shows had violence against women in them Mm. and it was quite high still. Um, no, I think it, I don't think it's changed very much. Really? No. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't watch a lot of television, obviously. <laughs> um, I've only seen one box set, which I did enjoy. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was fun, but I should have read a book. But um, there's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of violence against women on screen, and there's mm. still rape as entertainment is still very very prevalent. Mm. What, so obviously, I actually haven't listened to the Radio Four program yet, but I'm mm. absolutely going to listen to it now because mm. when I was reading about this yesterday about the, this program that you've done, it resonated so strongly with me because there were shows that I really enjoyed watching because I thought they were really exciting plots, but I stopped watching them because I could not. Stop the violence to women and yeah. I got really angry and I was yeah. like this is good television but I can't watch it because yes. I cannot w- watch this so it was things like like Luther and stuff that yes. I had to start watching um, and, uh, and yes. God, what was the other one? Oh, yes yeah, so Game of Thrones and a friend of mine a female friend said oh no stick with it because like the news she gets a bit less and there are some strong women in it and I was like I'm not going to make myself stick with something I know. In, like, you know, to because go you can't the unsee it you no, see exactly. that's the thing mm. those things are real little yeah. little mind worms that, that debilitate us as women from actually creating stuff that is because it just makes you feel a a victim yeah. and be disempowered and profoundly kind of oh you know at the yeah. end of something like that I don't want to see a woman pulled down the stairs by her hair yes yeah. to me that's as bad you know there's a brilliant actress I worked with on a Ben Wheatley film and and I was like oh great she's in this you know I turned on the thing and the next thing she was being beaten to a pulp in the back of oh a van god, yeah. and I just I, I was like oh my god this brilliant young actress yeah. is, this is what's happened. And the reason I wrote Body Count Rising is I was on plebs mm. and I was talking to the two young girls who were in it and both of them had done rape scenes and they were 25. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. And we ended up all crying, talking about their experiences yeah. on set, which I put into Body Count Rising. Yes, yeah. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and you probably do address it in the programme, is, so when I was complaining about Luther in these shows and stuff, mm. a friend of mine, a male friend, said, the thing is, I think it's difficult because these are crime television dramas, essentially. So what they're doing is they want it to be realistic and they're showing what actually happens in real life. So that's why it is the way that it is. And then my argument was, well, that's just a vicious circle. It's, it's self-perpetuating. Yeah. So we're watching it on screen and then we're ending up with more of it in real life. Yeah. Is that something that you discuss and do you think there's a solution yeah, to I that? Yeah, I sort of do discuss that. There are certain yeah. people like Michael Winterbottom who say it's morally right to show challenging films so it's morally our job to show graphic violence well no it isn't Mm. it's our job to take a break from Mm. graphic violence we don't need to see it let's be like the greeks let's have it off stage let's have medea killing her children not in front of everybody but off stage and coming back with her hands all bloody um we don't need to see graphic violence there's been an orgy of it from fetishizing um dead bodies 
to women as victims, to women in, you know, chase through woods, but but it's the violence, the violent rapes and the violent, well, even just the, the casual violence, like, mm-hmm. as you say, being pulled down the stairs by your hair. Yeah. Um, just anything that brutalises anyone, male mm. or female, is, is not cool in this culture of extreme violence. Look at the boys who are getting killed on our street. That is, that it's all tied in. Yeah. Macho, mm. you know, chauvinistic, misogynistic rap lyrics feeding into a culture that's killing young black boys on the street. That is really, really bad. Mm. So, and that ties in with, I wouldn't watch Game of Thrones. I've got several very feminist friends who love it. I wouldn't tell them, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, I can't talk to you because you, but don't talk to me about Game of Thrones yeah. or, um, and then I remember talking to some young boys about that and saying if it was a lot of men getting raped, or they go, oh, there is a man who gets raped in it. Well, what if it was mostly men getting raped? Yeah. It would not be on television. Mm. Would, the men would not, they would be profoundly uncomfortable. Men don't want to see nudity. When do you ever see cocks? Yeah. And never. Yeah. And you see completely naked women and men in suits. You see rattled old detectives shagging beautiful young 24-year-old sidekick casting girls. Still on TV yeah. still commissioned why do we want to watch that yeah absolutely do you, do you think there's a case to say that if there was more equality across the board in terms mm. of the writers rooms yeah. and having more I'm not saying that men are more predisposed to write violent scenes against women nope. in terms of the writing process but if there was more equality in the room that these things may even out a little more and may reduce in terms I would really of hope so because it is women who are also commissioning violent programs mm. and who are saying it's our right to you know be truthful about these things and they really have to take a serious look at what they're doing because it's profoundly affecting the culture that we're in yeah. to have programs that are very very successful that are mostly about violence yeah I don't think men particularly want to write violent scenes no. against women I think it's um it's just become what what they do to make money and yeah. women write it as well there are women novelists who hate my my um, crime writers who hate what I'm saying. Mm. They think that I'm I'm a complete sort of prudish, you know. Because I was like, well, why don't we just call a halt and and have a? Why don't we just say let's have a year of no violence yeah, against women in our right. in our especially watching it. I mean, books. I just feel on TV and film, it's so easy for children to see it. Who yeah. and you know, I remember once. Uh, my daughter, it was nine o'clock, it was just past the watershed mm. and she was in the sort of TV room and it was a dinner party and I was in the other room um, and suddenly I walk in and there was like an anal rape going on. Oh, what? And I, I, I felt, I can't describe how, and she was 11 and I just, I remember thinking, I can't, she can't unsee that now. No, no. And, and my little girl who I've brought up and fed, you know, mashed avocado to is now suddenly... <laughs> yeah suddenly seen this horrible thing and it's so prevalent yeah. well, sort of everywhere and the same with porn obviously that's very accessible yeah, yeah. totally so, so yes I think to, in answer to your question yes I think it would be fantastic to have a much more gender equal um, writer's room for comedy as as well because it all feeds into the yes, culture yeah. definitely, well, definitely and, and I suppose the responsibility also lies of course with the producers and, and the I, broadcasters as well yeah. yeah and then I was going to ask what about the viewers do you think there's enough power a viewer has just to turn off the programmers do you think if enough people do that oh, yeah. it will sort of make a difference well, well what's upsetting as you say is that people seem to like they seem to really enjoy you mm. know like I remember sitting in a, in, a, in a sauna in Glasgow and these two quite, quite straight older women were going oh I'm really looking forward to the fall tonight 
interview. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, really? <laughs> I mean, I, you listen to the pod, listen to the program if you want to hear what I think about the fall. I think that's very, very dangerous that yeah. kind of TV, um, sort of sadomasochistic, uh, mixed up with men you know women liking men being violent and I I think these women were just watching it because he was quite handsome wasn't he and uh, not seeing the repercussions for particularly younger girls they're not going to be you know affected perhaps mentally by that but I think it causes anguish and torment and depression and it can also reinforce an unconscious bias like I know personally if I'm walking down the street late at night and I see a man my mind immediately goes to he's going to attack me and of course as part of your animal brain it's kind of sensible to think be on your guard Mm -hmm. be aware but then there's the other part of my brain that it probably wouldn't be going to such a heightened, paranoid, adrenaline-fueled state no. if I hadn't been watching programmes like that, yeah. which reinforce the idea that I'm probably going to get attacked because of the way yeah, I was born. And, <laughs> yeah. and the way that you're dressed and, uh, yeah, that you're a victim. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you're a, exactly. You want women to be able to walk at night and get out of their houses and to, you know, and not and to not be quiet. That's yes. what we want. Yeah, yeah. totally. All the wild women roving the streets. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I think that's probably why a political drama often appeals because it's exciting, but you don't have the violence which is found in so many yes, other. Yes, I love a thriller. Yeah. My God, yeah. what, what I can't watch is really depressing. Like I was saying to people, what shall I watch on Netflix? Now I've got it. You know, what shall I? <laughs> Succession, but it's not on Netflix. Succession. Oh my God. Yeah, no, okay. that's brilliant. Obsessed. Again, that's that on telly. Media. It's on family Sky, and it's on Now TV. You'll have to get another subscription. <laughs> To Now TV, but it's now honestly TV. worth it. Do the free yeah. trial. It's incredible. Okay. About the Murdoch media mogul kind of family. With, That's kind yes. of what it's based on. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's lovely yeah. to watch really well done and well acted TV. And when people realise that that's actually what people really enjoy, the violent stuff, I would really hope, would just start to get less and less. Yes. You know what I mean? Even those things where women get revenge and they go, well, it's great because she then cuts his cock off. You go, yeah, but then you've also seen her <laughs> rage. Yeah. You know, that's not good. That doesn't make it better no, for me. No. about the shift in uh, in culture or hoping to shift culture I think Smack the Pony obviously we've got to talk about it I mean it was a cult classic it's amazing it did change the culture at the time and because you were allowing women to be clowns without talking about you know really stereotypically female oriented things like periods and chocolate and you know um Although there is an amazing, obviously, the uh, reoccurring theme of hair that comes throughout yeah, it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, also, can I just say that you swinging around a lamppost um, is ingrained into my into my mind. Funny enough, I was just thinking about that yesterday. Really? Yeah, having to stand on a street and lap dance a a, a, a sort of lamp post with my shopping. Oh my god, it's it pretty so empowering. Good. Yeah. I did, bet. did you take lessons to do that? No, you no, like no. Properly had because I did pole dancing lessons for like one week and I was like, this hurts too much. Yeah. So you had the moves. I think that was just from you know being a kid and doing that thing around the bars. I just, like I used to love gymnastics. I think it was just learning how to swing around a pole. Did you have as much fun doing that show as it looked? And do you feel like it sort of 
has changed the way that women are perceived um, in comedy on well, our if screens. Only, if only there were more programmes like yeah. it now. Mm. That saddens me there aren't quite as many. There's certainly not clowny. There's, there's not many physical humoured no, shows. No, true. I mean, obviously Motherland is brilliant, but it's, it's, it's to do with character and psychology. Yes. It's wonderful and brilliant. I love it. Um, but I want to see more women being, you know, yeah, being more physical. Yeah. So it's a shame it hasn't sparked off in a way that Bridesmaids also didn't spark off a, a sort of whole raft of yeah. of women films about. I mean, that's hilarious yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got these two things that sort of were iconic, but they didn't go anywhere. And so that's really sad because I think our culture really needs it. I think women desperately. The amount of times I get asked about Smack the Pony and is it coming back and will you do it yeah, again? And yeah. Is, is kind of annoying because it's not coming back um we've we've sort of uh met a few times and discussed should we do a narrative should we do sketches should we do a complete remake mm. and um it's never quite happened why i mean like is it that people just specifically want you guys and you're like it's like a holy kind of protected kind of it's just for these three or is do you know what I mean? Like, why, like, people like Lazy Susan and other sort of sketch comedy groups, mm. why isn't there the space for. Yeah, them why aren't to they on or... TV? Yes, exactly, because I'm, I'm not, I haven't been to see stand up for ages. Mm. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of good women doing shows at like Soho Theatre yeah. and a lot of great shows at Edinburgh. So obviously, you get the breakout shows like Fleabag, mm. yeah. who then get on TV, but maybe that's now more the way in. I think yeah. Edinburgh Lazy show Susan and... managed to get, I think it was a, a half short, hour, or was yeah. it a short, maybe 20 minutes on BBC after, I mean, they've been going for like a long time now and they're brilliant and they right. did finally get their first tv thing i think as a as a uh, sketch double ad as right. it were um but yeah but it's not a regular series by any means i think sketch comedy has sort of died i though. think maybe that's it's partly the trend in sketch yeah. comedy yeah but with smart the pony because it was so well um acclaimed in terms of the awards in the states uh, more than the uk yeah it's got emmys but not baftas yeah right? was there ever an appetite when the states said right we'll take you and we'll go and do it then you know and do we more didn't of sort of we didn't sort of plough into the states oh, thing, right, okay. we were just so busy because it takes a long time to yes. write it yeah. mm. so we were literally locked in a basement for, for sort of till we couldn't bear it anymore because we, we would film our improvisations and then we'd often have writers in the room so it was a very long process about talking what it about stupid shit that had happened to us <laughs> like not not kind of big women's issues but like you know, I sucked a glass onto my face and couldn't get it off, and my friend was talking about getting cancer, and it was like, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Sort of just clowning stuff. <laughs> um, she did that the other day about hot drinks. She was like, I drink my tea too fast, I'm going to get cancer. I was like, don't think so. Don't think yeah. so. So, heat up the mercury in my mouth, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. the process then, you'd gone in a room, you'd say like observations that had happened to you, you'd then improvise it, is that right? And We would often get. Um, some material that had been from, you know, Smith and Joe, it had been rejected from other male comedy shows. Oh, yeah. So we would get the sort of off-cut orphan material of, like, two men, bomb disposal experts, and they would just sort of cross it out and go, two women. In nice, and, it, yeah. and, of course, it was so often written for by men, for yeah. men. So that was interesting. We off, we sometimes reworked something we thought had a nub of a good idea, but yeah. we, made the, we made the straight person the funny person, we made the funny person. Yeah. So we just, because we'd always been feeds for men's, we'd always we'd all been in comedy before and been teacher, dolly bird, receptionist, you know, not been the, the lead. We'd been the feeds. Yeah. So it was really good for us to be able to make the straight one the feed. Um, but what we would do is we would sit and chat about stuff that made us laugh and then we would just get up and try and 
do something about that. Right. Sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. How do you find writing with other people? Because I, I think not everyone can do it. It takes a real Well, we skill. would impro. We would, um, Sally was very good at writing stuff down on mm-hmm. a computer and then we often had sometimes one or two writers in the room um, and the producer was very good at um, kind of going, mm, let's do it, but let's let's change the angle a bit. Let's take the comedy out of it. So we didn't do issue-based stuff ever. Right. We never did sort of diets, periods, chocolate, uh, men. We just did stuff that was happening to us. At that time, I had two small children, and they didn't have children. Yeah. So we were having different experiences. It was probably good. Yeah. And it took a long time. Like, sometimes we would work on one sketch that we knew had something in it, just didn't quite take off. And then we'd have to sort of go, oh, that, I don't know why that's not working. Film it, and then go, no. And then go, and then go, oh, I've got a brilliant idea for that now. And Sally would come in and go, I know what we do. We just completely turn it back to front. So it's about sitting with things sometimes. Mm. It's not a fast process. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of, a lot of long uh, days of maybe one sketch coming out of it sometimes just and then you know when we did video dates that was great because on our first series we had we had like 15 that we liked on paper and we didn't rehearse we hadn't rehearsed them and we hadn't we just had like wigs and we have like we've got two hours left let's do some video dates quickly go and put a wig on and choose one oh wow like um i'm i'm sally i'm 30 i'm I'm into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fun to be with, I'm fun to be, you know, and then we just start coming. And that was great because we did this sort of production line and the quickness of it yeah. made it good, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah There wasn't sense. too much time to think and rehearse it. So it's a bit more improved. So out of, this is a potentially hard question, but out of all the characters that you've played, and I don't mean in Smack the Pony, I mean across your entire career, a whole myriad of oh different God, characters. Lord, do you hell. have one that you, okay, firstly, do you have one that you enjoyed playing the most? And then the second part to that question, is there one that sort of resonated with you the most that maybe taught you something about yourself? That's such a hard question. If I could add up the number of characters I've played, it would run into hundreds. Okay, what's one you've enjoyed the most? Oh, my God. Is there one that just springs into your mind that you think... Because it's so difficult because it's sort of joined up with, like, the process and the directing and everything else, isn't it? It's very hard to detach them. I think of theatre as probably... Do you know, I actually can't answer that question. I'm finding it. I mean, I loved, I, I love playing Jane Plough in Toast because it, I, I, it's like payback to all the, all the women who turned me down throughout my career. Yeah. <laughs> I just put the phone down on me because I used to work for a co-op and have to oh, call up yeah, like yeah. 30 casting agents on a Monday afternoon. It was so hideous. Oh, really? Um, you know, sort of power. Yeah. yeah. Power. yeah. I, I like, I like that. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed theatre that I've done. Um, I did a play in Chichester with Tom Hollander about mental health that, you know, not many people saw, but I think it was one of, I think I did a really good job in it. What was it called, that one? Me and My Friend. Okay, I didn't know that. Before, and, you know, there's been some theatre that I think has has been, and I enjoyed doing, I did a one-woman show about my son's cancer. Yes. Called Prima Duna. Mm -hmm. And I played a lot of characters in that, and one particular woman who was so angry and broken about her her daughter's cancer that had come back and was making her daughter this sort of you know perfect food but she was sort of furious and broken it was it was tragic but very funny as well <laughs> you know i sort of enjoy that really sort of fine line between yeah. dark oh my god her daughter's 
maybe going to die, but she sort of hates her daughter because she has to cook her food and, and the fucking cancer's come back. But I'm making her steamed broccoli anyway. <laughs> um, was, was those sort of... Ca- that, that I love it yeah. when it's right on the edge of, of dark. Um, do you yeah. think... This is a separate question, but on that note, do you think there are some things that are off limits for comedy or at least actually perhaps I should phrase it like this, off limits if you haven't personally experienced it? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Like, can you talk about... Could you have done that show if your child hadn't had cancer? Yeah. For Could someone else play that part? Yeah, that's or I don't know that about that. It's, it's that whole thing about should you, you know, should Daniel Day Lewis have done my my left foot? Right. Yeah. Mm. You know, should good actors take on disabled? Um, job? Should should men play women? Yeah. You know, mm. sorry, you haven't had the the wealth of my you know pain and sadness. And, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. going to play a woman. Um, I don't know. It's no. very difficult. I think it's to do with art. I think it's to do with how how much integrity goes into a project. Yeah. How you cast it and whether you think you have got the credentials to be able to take it on. Yeah. And so Prima Duna was it was under comedy, was it in the in the ratio? I mean, that was the yes. I yeah. mean, it was it was funny, but yeah. it was sad, and so people did laugh and cry, which to me is oh, my, uh, my favorite thing. Yeah, mm. favorite combo. Yeah, and especially when my son actually came to see the show and got up in the curtain call, then everyone was just oh, wow. sobbing. Yeah. Oh wow! But, How old was he at the time? He was nine when he got cancer, and he was mm. eleven when he sort of was out of hospital and then it took a good few years to said he came when he was about 14 gosh wow yeah, yeah yeah that was excellent and did you need that clearly need that amount of time to be able to have a bit of space from it process it be able to turn it into something that you could share with people I mean I don't know when you write stuff you've got to really want to write it I didn't want to write I wasn't thinking oh, I'm going to write this at all really I kept a sort of diary uh, because I just thought I need to know, I need to remember, I need to just mark this yeah. every day, even if it was two lines, I would just write. But what I did get is the hospital notes, which they don't normally give you, oh, right. because people often sue when their kids die, so they, the hospitals don't release the notes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really sad, because people are so angry. If they lose a child, they want to sue you know, them for not doing more, and yeah. often they can't do more, and that's yeah. it, it's over. Um, whereas with Louis, they, they've been so amazing that when I did ask, I, they were like, what's it for? And I said, I think I might put it into a show. And they were like, well, we're worried about that. And I was like, no, I literally want to say how amazing mm. you've been. Mm. You know, the NHS is, Christ almighty, you know, the nurses. So, they, so I was able to, and I sat and read through those notes one night. And it must have been how many years after? That's right. I'd got back. I was doing a theatre show. I was hating it. Um, I was doing loot at the tricycle, and it was probably too soon to be performing. You know, mm. I was just a bit broken. And I turned on the TV, and Russell Brand was on doing stand-up. And I just, I just looked at Russell Brand. I thought, what gives you the right to be so confident? And I just felt angry that I wasn't seeing more women being that confident and talking about their experiences and I thought what if I talk about this really dark experience but I can try and make it funny as well so I sat with the notes cried my eyes out and wrote maybe a paragraph of what of like when I first walked into the the ward of the cancer ward and it was awful but it was sort of funny it's a bit like an actress going well I call my agent get me out of here this is this is the wrong casting I'm not I shouldn't be here because you keep thinking, "Well, this is wrong." This someone's going to come in and say, "Sorry, it's not," you know. Yeah. So that it's the denial thing. So then I just carried on, and then a friend was very good. She read it and she went, "No, you, you." And I developed it, but it didn't happen straight away. 
I did it with an amazing director and he went, when we took it into a room, he went, this is too personal, I can't cut any of this. We, we can't, I can't work on this, it's just too personal. So he said, you need to get someone else in to either rework it, look at it. So I got a dramaturg in called Bryony Lavery, an amazing Oh, movie. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she um, sort of did a pass. And when I read it, I felt chilled because it wasn't me. And I thought, well, this is a confessional show and someone else says, this is not going to... Yeah. So it took a while to find its voice uh, because it was too personal. So she helped me. And then together we shaped it with both of our... We literally turned turned the whole thing upside down. She taught me a lot about writing. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so it was probably about how many characters? Yes, it was probably about, I don't know, 12 characters, you know, nurses, doctors, yeah. ladies next door, girlfriends, maybe more. And it was always um, obvious to you, was it where the humour would come from? Or were you sometimes like, I don't know how to make this funny or no? I mean, that in real life. It was the objective to make it funny, actually, at all. Um, the objective was to show what he'd been through because I knew. I, so many people think their lives are shit. <laughs> they really, you know, and I always had the red card after the cancer of like, well, you think your loft conversion is going to make, giving you a nervous <laughs> yeah. breakdown. Let me tell you about my, so I always had this sort of slightly superior kind of, yeah, I've been in a cancer ward. You know, it's this weird thing of the sliding scale of people's suffering. And I suppose I wanted people to understand what a how a child so bravely yeah. goes through that experience because they're in the moment. They're not thinking. They're not crying because they're thinking about the next chemo that's coming or how sick they've been that day. Or there's no self pity. There's no victimhood. They just get on with it. Yeah. And they and it's utterly awe inspiring. So it just is. It just sort of breaks open your world of of, of adult neurosis. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of wanted to do it to go to everyone. Look how lucky you are yeah, yeah, yeah. that Absolutely. your life is actually bloody amazing. Um, and then within that, there was obviously I brought in a little bit about how because I was with my husband at the time, but we ended up breaking up at the end of it. I think it either makes or breaks you. As a, so so through that threaded through that was also the breakdown. So counselling. So that was quite funny, sitting in counselling, going to my first voiceover. And people sort of going, is he going to, you know, people saying very inappropriate things that are sort of terrible but funny because they don't know what to say. And I'm trying to do a voiceover you know, without being sick because yeah. I'm suddenly out in the world and in the world feels very weird. Mm. So it was about recovery and redemption and bravery. and it Sounds extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I could do it again. Right, <laughs> no, no, I imagine that is I think it just would be, absolutely it drone. of its time. Yeah. But it sort of shows you that when you want to write something, I suppose... Um, ask yourself if you know literally if I had if I if I was going to die in a, in, a, in a year what would I write what would what would be the thing I'd most oh God, want yeah. to write yeah. about if I only had a short amount of time yeah and that's um, this again leads very nicely on to the when you did Jumpy at the Royal Court so funnily enough I, I, did, I saw that production I did too mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah it was great did you yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but so I read a book about playwriting years ago and in it they interviewed April Dangerous and she yes. said that she finds herself um, going time and time again going back to this theme that she seems to endlessly write about which is parent and child mm. and I wondered whether that was what it was that attracted you to doing Jumpy whether it was that that, that sort of relationship at the heart of it between Tamsin and the um, and I can't remember Belle. the name yeah okay yeah, yeah. Belle Powley um, 
Or and, and actually then, yeah, how you go about picking your roles now that you're doing if you're not writing them yourself. Mm. That's brilliant that April is uh, uh, fascinated with that because we both have... Uh, we both had troubled teenage daughter right, times. Right, you can you oh. see that. So, uh, yeah, at the time, I was going through a particularly tricky time with my 15-year-old, who's now 24. And uh, that was... So, I, I mean, Tamsin used to come and ask me about what had gone on with oh. my daughter because she was sort of, like, feeding off my... my yeah. Even though I was playing a completely different character, I was playing the actress friend, wasn't I, who was going up for... Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you weren't I wasn't, having the sort of parent-child... No, I was the fun the sort But of I actually role. was having that... Oh, that's really ...while funny. it was happening. And um, and Tamsin would go, God, what's... You know, like, Indy was out all night, couldn't... I was trying to... You know, she went to a rave in Vauxhall, like, she didn't come home, she was... Whatever it was, it was it was a difficult time. It was right. exactly kind of what was happening in, in wow. Jumpy. I just thought Jumpy's so amazing because it's so true. Yes, but cast that way so, round. Yeah. Could you have played Tamsin's role then? Do you think oh at the time God. when it was so oh. close? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, weirdly, um, because of what had happened with Louis and breakup, my dad died. It was like death, leukemia, and divorce. Oh. Uh, that I then got very ill at the end of Jumpy at the Royal Court. Pre West End, oh, gosh, wow. yeah, I I ended up very ill, which I think is a real flag up to anyone dealing with uh, emotional stuff. Is that that you've got to pay attention to uh, processing pain yeah. because it will catch up with mm. you. So it was sort of probably like my form of a sort of breakdown. I had to stop. I ended up in hospital in an isolation ward with everyone within masks. It was a serious oh, kind of pneumonia. Oh, wow. So you didn't do the West End? Well, then I, I, I pulled out the West End right. and said, I, I'm, I'm too ill. And they were like, they, they was just really wanted me to do it. And April would phone me and Nina was phoning me. Are you sure you're not well enough? I was like, no way. I can hardly fucking walk. And then I kind of rehabilitated myself. You know, I really worked hard on... And I remember thinking, I was walking in Hastings on the on the sort of east on the East Hill, and I remember thinking, I I feel strong for the first time. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do it, you know. Yeah. And I called them. They were like, we're in auditions for your part. Oh God! I was like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think I could, I mean, they, they were literally about. It was one of those literally light breaking through the cloud moments. They were about to offer it to someone else because oh, they'd fuck. hung on and hung on, yeah. and and like two weeks before, I'd said no. And then I suddenly could feel my strength coming back. Wow. So I said, yes, I can do it, I can do it. And they were like, oh, my God! <laughs> so they had to tell this poor girl who'd come in the second time, he was about to get it. So then oh. I did do it in the West End, and it was much better because I was... The one when I was at the Royal Court, I was getting pretty ill. Oh, right, interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, you didn't seem ill when I saw you in it, but you know, obviously. Well, that well. dance was. Um, yeah, oh, right. Used well, yeah, to practically yeah. give me a sort of, you know, asthma attack. It's <laughs> very athletic, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah the burlesque. Yeah, gosh. So, um, yeah. So you, you, you t- yeah. So now that nowadays, then, in terms of what what you take, it's like if the part says something to you that you haven't done before, or well, often it's just to pay the mortgage. Um, yeah, sure, that you know, practically. Yeah. <laughs> I say that no one is honest enough. Yeah, about you have that. to pay. I mean, God, I have to take jobs that are just like, oh, really? Do I have to do this? Is a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. How much? Yeah. yeah double yeah, yeah. it, and then I'll do yeah, it. Yeah. Double it, and I'll do it. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's not. I'm not. I'm not leafing through scripts, going, oh, no, darling, no, it's not no. big enough for me. I'm just taking what it keeps the wolf from the door and keeps the food on the table. But at the same time, you know, hope better roles are coming in. People are writing better things. Um, I just did a great uh, uh, episode of something called Flack, 
which yeah. is about the PR girls, but it but written by a guy, written by Oliver L- L- Landley or something like that. Landley, God. I read about it and yeah, I can't and, remember. And, he, and I just remember the, turning up on day one and it being literally a room of like 13 women. I was like, and I just went, thank you. This oh, is amazing. Really good. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is really good. They made a pilot, didn't they? Yes. And then it didn't go to That's series. Right. Yes. And then it's been remade with... Is it, and Anna Paquin. The, yes, yes. Anna Paquin. And Steve Moyer, who's her husband, is a sort of producer, director, mm. and um, a really great actress called Lydia, and I can't remember her surname. He's about Wilson. to play Duchess of Malfi yeah. at uh, the Almeida. Wow. It's about three PR girls and their lives. and it, and um, But, you know, that's written by a man, and it's very good. Yeah, oh, right. I don't sound surprised out. about that, but it's written <laughs> some very good women's parts, you know, which is which is very good. Yeah. And are you working on Catherine Ryan's new show as well, yes. The Duchess? Brilliant. Yes. Are you allowed to talk about that? Um, am I? Do you know? I wonder if I am. Um, it's on your CV. Yes. It, I mean, I, I was filming it yesterday. I was, I was dancing in boxer shorts... You always dance, don't you? You do. I mean, it's true, actually. When you Google Maybe I should be a dancer. Well, there's so many references to your physicality, not in like a like all boobies kind of way, but like as in in the way you move, like in loads of articles, just about your your physical presence. Well, I think I I should have been a dancer because I wanted to be a ballerina and I was told I was too tall. And then I gave up ballet and cried for weeks. And then um, and did then I did a bit of contemporary sort of dance. And when I was at Manchester, I did do some dance. I, I wanted to be a choreographer. Oh, I didn't right. want to be a stand-up. Um, and then I ended up being a stand-up. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> but my stand-up was very physical as well. Yeah, you found yeah. ways to get it in. Yeah, yeah. So I've always been interested in yes, bodies. And we don't women don't use their bodies. We're very. Uh, Ashamed of our bodies, and um, and that's even worse now with with social media. That's what I hate about it: the shame. Yeah. Um, how a woman can take a knife to her face when she's under sixty or seventy is beyond me. Mm. It's so sad. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's a tragedy. That's what's happening to so many young girls: is they're feeling ashamed about their bodies. They hate. They think they're disgusting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. horrible. They're disgusting. Look at that. You know, circles of shame. Blue circles of shame, mm. wonky toes, you know, bad knees, scabby. You know, we oh, are, we're all no. a mess of, you know, it's amazing. We're all just so incredibly different. Yeah, completely. I was at a, like a sort of mixed bill night on Saturday and there was actually um, uh, a guy from L.A., sort of like, I guess he was mid-20s, and he read out an essay about how he had had an eating disorder growing up because he was like, try growing up in L.A. when every, just as a normal child when everyone's got basically looks perfect wow. and it may be, I'd never considered about I always think of LA as an actress moving there or being there yeah. but I forget that like just normal families live in LA and that that's the backdrop to your life mm. if you live there yes just I, I there. went there I and no one looked that. like me of no, my age right, I mean yeah. uh, people my age looked 30 it was really weird I was like god is that how and that's creepy how old is that woman yeah. I mean she looks in her soul you can tell she's older yeah. she's been through but her face is like a 30 year old it's completely so that's, that's very weird. odd it's like you don't you can't see aging, mm. so you can't see experience. You wouldn't go to her, that person as a wise person, you know, or a... No. It's, it's, it's messed up. That is, isn't it? Yeah. That's really odd. Someone who's got so much life experience and not the face to show it. You'd be like, Sorry, how did you know so much? Yeah. <laughs> when really? you look 20, yeah. you must have read loads. <laughs> and our, our communication is probably getting worse as well because if people can't move their faces to... I mean, that's one of the first things apparently you look at when you meet someone for the first time is the top half of their face. Right. And, you know, sometimes you involuntarily lift your eyebrows up to do that, oh, hey, I know you kind of greeting. Yeah. And it's a way of building uh, a sense of rapport with someone really quickly. 
if you can't move your forehead because yeah, yeah. you've got Botox in it or whatever, yeah. then I'm sure we are kind of going to gradually over time miss each other on waves of communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. I actually never yeah, thought about yeah. that. So, if you have a piece of advice... <laughs> Oh, don't gosh. put a knife to your face yes. Um, yes. <laughs> get off social media yeah, yeah. For, for anyone in this industry and I mean that's kind of loose because obviously there's mm. many different parts to it but yes. what would you what would you impart as a piece of, of wisdom I would think um, really think about what you want to say in the world and how you want to say it so that if you want to be an actor um what do you want to say? What do you just want someone to give you a good role, and then, or do you want to take it and do something with it that's very personal to you? So I would, I would say, keep a journal. Mm. Um, you know, write, um, and as a woman, don't be quiet. I think we've lost our sense of um, being wild and having gut reactions. So. It's probably very good to spend time in nature by yourself. And the time when you think, oh, God, look at me, Billy fucking no mates walking along the beach with my journal. You know, <laughs> you, you know that voice, that, that voice that shames us is too loud. Yeah. So, so have a chat with that voice. You know, go, you know, sit with that voice and go, yeah, but I actually really think that I need to keep going with this. And the voice is going, well, what, well, why do you think that? Because you're pretty useless and there's, there's loads of other people who are better than you. So it's that that voice that shames us and makes us stop doing things that is crippling people's ability to be creative. And I think what also saps creativity is social media. So um, that's a big, broad, sweeping thing. But there's, so many there's a there. lot of ways to be creative that will then uh, feed into the thing that you present to the world that everyone goes, wow, that's good. You know, we didn't think we were doing anything with Smack the Pony. We thought it was rubbish. So there we are. We, we, were, just, we were just recording stuff when we, were, when we filmed it. Nobody laughed. It was an all-male crew. We, we didn't really know each other that well. It was really not that much fun. And... Uh, and then when it was sort of cut, because it was authentic and it had come from real experience and us sitting around for hours in a room and it was very well put together by our producer and graded and given, um, you know, made to look good, we suddenly went, ah, so actually that, that four days we talked about, um, you know, big shoes really was important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, shoes that are too big and really hurt, hurty feet. Isn't a small thing. It's actually an important thing to yeah. share. So writing stuff down is is quite good because you you realise what your preoccupations are. Yeah. And then when you when you address it, when you look at those, you go, oh right, there's a theme here. Maybe I should, you know, stop trying to do that, but do this instead. I've said about ten things. I no, think. oh my god, <laughs> I'm just completely yeah. gripped. I feel like this is like um. Therapy. Yeah, a little bit. But no, I feel so wholesome. Can I be a life coach? Yes. 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 In the podcast land. I don't think we can afford you. Can I? Can (laughs) I be lady life coach in the SoundCloud of? I don't know. I don't understand. Oh my god! In the clouds. (laughs) SoundCloud. This ethereal world of (laughs) podcasting sound. It's just so true that I love it. It's like your your advice sums up what you what I think you're about. Even only having met you for an hour, but as in just that idea about like you know you, you. what 
using your opportunity to say what you want to say and I feel you do yeah. that in the work but also by the sounds of what you've worked on in terms of your activism you do that you've used the work as a platform to do that aside from that as well the activism is interesting because that came at uni and then I really didn't do much I just was having children and, and being angry and maybe going and graffitiing something and shouting at but when I met those girls on plebs and the sort of Boise nature, we happened to be staying in an awful hotel that had something called the Candy Bar underneath, which was basically a prostitute's hotel. And the girls were, were very young and the men were older. And often you'd get into a lift and there would be a young girl. And I just wanted to give them money and go, please yeah. run as fast mm. as you can. So the whole thing conspired to me writing an article uh, for the Hay Festival. Um, who had asked me to just go and do a chat about something that I felt powerful you know, angry about. And I thought, well, it, it's, it's, it's violence on TV. And so it came to be an article that I wrote in that hotel room on masses of oh, bits of paper. Wow. And then I did that at the, at the Hay. And it, it, there was a, quite a small audience. And I remember they were pouring bottles into the bin behind. So it was really hard to hear. So every so often, the massive amount of bottles were going to this <laughs> bin. And I remember thinking, this is shit, you know, reading my, in a sort of weird armchair on a stage, reading this script and going, but I, I remember writing it and feeling incredibly passionate. And then after that, someone had seen it and tweeted. So this is a good thing about social media, I suppose, had, had tweeted it to someone else. And then someone at the New Statesman wanted to see it. Mm. And then they put it up on the New Statesman wow. and then it went viral. And then it inspired the radio show. Wow. So that came from talking to two girls in a hotel room uh, about their experiences. And so keeping... Tr so now, if I'd been watching a box set, tweeting my daily thing, I might not have done that article. Yeah. I wouldn't have had enough time. Or I would have gone, oh, that was awful, wasn't it? Oh, you poor things, you know. Well, you've had to do two rape scenes. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, moving on. But it, I think it, time is very important to use well because that was a really important thing to do because that radio show has then sparked lots of other things yeah you know i don't want to go around speaking about this but i want to put it into the work that i do and i want to inspire other young younger people and people coming up through the business and people my age to to not do those programs yeah yeah absolutely. and to, you know i've had people call me from from read-throughs and go oh i don't know what to do oh, I'm, yeah. i have I've, i haven't worked for fucking three years i'm absolutely desperate to do this but there's a horrific scene in it what shall i do and i, I go look i can't i can't advise you but this is what i would do yeah. i would talk to the director and say do we need to have this and if he goes yes then maybe you don't do it yeah you mm -hmm. know so it's that kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. um actually when you're in the front line you're in a read-through and you're like oh i've got this he's an amazing director it's got this you know judgy character i've got a great part what do i do that's the hard thing absolutely uh, you know and to say to them on set i don't want to drop the towel i know i don't want to wear the body stocking i've said i don't want to show anything but when you're there they want you to so it's that the letting that's why the me too movement has been a great yeah. uh, a great thing yeah. because it's protected people on set and and offset women i was about to go into drama schools and talk to young girls to say what you don't need to do in yeah. the business yes. oh, and the me too movement has it, sort of allowed has, has made me not have to do that because i think i would hope that younger actresses and actors would know not to go into a hotel room with a producer yeah. by themselves. And I think yeah. producers also would be much more cautious about doing yes. that now. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dune, just to round everything off, 
This has been amazing. Um, we do have one final oh, question. I think I think Jean's answered that. I think it's the same as the question you just asked. Well, it could be slightly different. Okay, let's see, because that's advice to people, but this is about herself and okay. what she's learned. Oh. So if oh, there's one see. thing that your career in comedy has taught you about life, what is it? Oh, gosh, that's hard. <laughs> Demanding yet more comedy, great answers from you. Comedy, comedy. Um, to not be afraid of looking stupid um, or ugly mm. or looking, um, you know, fa- that thing, fail again, fail better. I think with Smack the Pony, being able to dress up and look hideous um, <laughs> in most of my, um, people found that, in, you know, people were really like, wow, I mean, God, you looked awful in that. You know? <laughs> be like yeah yeah I, I yeah and then <laughs> what I'll do is you'll see me in my nice frock and then I'll look really pretty yeah. like you know so don't be afraid to look not perfect yeah yes. like and actually fail you know really do something that doesn't work yeah in the old days of stand-up we used to literally go on stage with pieces of paper and it was a bit like if the audience didn't like it they, no one booed you off but <laughs> there would just not be much of a reaction and you'd go okay that doesn't work Okay, let's try that. Let's try the next thing. And with Smack the Pony, we played all the the sketches into a live audience, and we cut the ones that they didn't laugh at. Right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's the barometer. So, laughter so or not. it doesn't matter that people don't laugh. It doesn't mean you're shit. It just means that doesn't quite work, or you're, or it's too much of an in joke. So I think, um, yeah, be a, be be very willing to fail. Fail and don't be afraid to look shit. Amazing. (laughs) Thank thank you so, so so much. It's been brilliant. Pleasure. And you're a natural at podcasts, so definitely do more. I'm never doing anything but this podcast again and again. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.